Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Friday, finally a Friday, November 1st, 2019. The first month of Locked On Blackhawks is officially in the book. Thank you all so much for being part of it. Uh, really, just looking at the download numbers after every episode really makes it worth it to do these things every day. So I greatly appreciate it. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, go to at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send me an email. LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. And, of course, you can send a voicemail, 708-653-0572. If you don't want to dial the number, record a voice memo and email that to me at LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. And remember, the next show we do will be Mailbag Monday. So if you've had something on your mind, you want to get in, make sure you do it either today, Saturday, or early in the day, Sunday. I'm going to try to get that podcast done well, actually, no, I'm not, because they play Sunday night. So as long as it's in by the end of the game, Sunday night, I should be able to get to it on Mailbag Monday. So make sure you submit those questions. So yesterday, we talked about the news that Kirby Doc is going to spend the season with Chicago, which is good news, I think, for most Hawks fans. And Thursday, we get the news that Adam Boquist has been recalled. Sort of unexpected, seemingly a little bit out of the blue, um, and boy, there's a lot to sort of unravel here. I did not expect this to come as quickly as it's come. And as excited as I am to see Adam Boquist play, I'm finding myself a little bit hesitant about it because speaking to some people around the league, and I think I mentioned this on a pod, I, I do so many podcasts and write so many blogs. It's hard for me to keep track of what I said, where, but speaking to a source in the NHL, I asked about young defensemen and what is the risk, what is the damage you can do if you call a defenseman up too early? And this person works in scouting, and what they told me is sometimes when you bring up a young defenseman, they're trying so hard to survive. They're just battling for their life out there on the ice, just trying to stay afloat, trying not to make mistakes. You know, trying their best to make the safe play all the time. And it takes away some of the natural instinct to attack, takes away some of the things that got them to the NHL. Now, of course, every defenseman is different. And Adam Boquist is a guy who seeps confidence. You could see it on the ice, you can hear it off the ice. And in a few minutes, I'm going to share an interview with him, or at least a portion of an interview I did with him during training camp this year where he talks about his defensive improvement and the development of his game, Adam Boquist believes in Adam Boquist. And I think that, that he might be the kind of guy who can come up here, struggle a little bit, and not have it be the end of the world for him. Right? I think that he knows that he's probably coming up earlier than would be ideal. But at the same time, he's not being relied on to be a savior. And I think the way they're going to use him, and just sort of based on how they've used Kirby Doc, Doc didn't have to come up here and be a savior either. They've been playing him 10, 11, 12 minutes a night. And I think you're probably going to see Adam Boquist play bottom pairing minutes at even strength and be a big factor on the power play. And every line I'm drawing in my head as I'm predicting the lineup for Saturday night against the Kings Adam Boquist NHL debut. I have a hard time imagining Boquist and Gustafson in the lineup at the same time. 
And I think the fact that you scratch Brent Seabrook for two consecutive games, the second game was your worst of the season, maybe the worst in a decade. And you're calling up an offensive-minded defenseman who's a defensive liability. You've already got one of those on the roster who's really doing nothing for you. And Eric Gustafson. I think Seabrook's back in. I think Boquist is in. And Gustafson is the guy out. That's sort of how I see things going. Um, so you'll be looking at, you know, Keith and DeHaan, Mata Seabrook, and maybe Cuckoo and Boquist, or Gilbert and Boquist. Maybe it makes sense to put Boquist with a guy who's more of a veteran presence. And if you're going to put Brent Seabrook back in the lineup, even though you've scratched him twice, maybe he's your, you know, back-end defenseman with Adam Boquist. Maybe he's the guy you put out there for even-strength shifts. That could be an option. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to shake out, and I'm really interested to see if, is there another move coming before Saturday it doesn't seem like anything is imminent and if you're talking about maybe trading someone like Eric Gustafson I don't know if right now is the greatest time to do that his value has got to be pretty low at this point right he's off to a terrible start yes he had a great season last year but are they better off waiting for him to figure things out and, and have a good week before they move him Or are they just going to say, hey, before it gets worse, screw it. Let's move him out and let's get Bogus in here full time. I wouldn't be mad if they traded Eric Gustafson yesterday. I really wouldn't. Even even last season, I was not his biggest fan. They found some luck on the power play. He picked up a ton of points on the power play. And yes, he was good. He had a 60-point season. There's no doubt that his offensive game was really, really good last year. But nothing did I see. And nothing have I seen this year that tells me that that's going to come back. Obviously, I don't think he's as bad as he's playing at the moment. I don't think Taze is as bad as he's playing at the moment. I don't think Kane's as bad. It goes on and on and on. A lot of guys on this team are playing really bad at the same time. But I think he's probably more of a 40-something point guy, which is still pretty good and still has some value. But I just don't think that there's much... You know, even with the concerns for Boquist defensively, is there truly that big of a drop-off? Can he be that much worse defensively than Eric Gustafson? I find that hard to believe. I really do. And maybe he comes out and he struggles mightily. And the good thing about this is if Adam Boquist can't stay afloat, and if he struggles, then they can send him back down. And it's not a big deal. That's why the Kirby Doc thing is a little bit different. They're deciding that he's ready and he's going to play. And while Jeremy Cowden said yesterday there might be games where he gets a rest, he might not be in the lineup every night, he's going to be playing more often than not. There's no point in just keeping him in the press box or whatever. That's not going to help him develop. But with Boquist, they have the luxury. If things get out of hand, they can send him down. And that's what happened with Henry Yokoharu last year. And talking to some sources about Yokoharu before the trade, the thing they said about sort of just fighting to survive is exactly what they said about Yokoharu. Different people, but it's it echoes the same sentiment of, yeah, he came up 
and he looked competent. Like when you looked at the numbers, they looked okay. You didn't see him getting beat very often, but all the instincts were gone. It was just Yokoharu trying not to get sent down. I don't think that when Adam Boquist gets here, that's going to be anything the Hawks need to worry about. I think they're different kind of personalities. I think they're different kind of defensemen. And I think Adam Boquist might take this opportunity and run with it. And if they like what they see from from Adam Boquist after five, six games, that could be the last of Eric Gustafson on the Blackhawks. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. And on the topic of Adam Boquist, uh, I wanted to share a bit of audio uh, from training camp this summer. I got to catch up with him after training camp uh, at the United Center and just sort of pick his brain on a number of topics. A lot of it had to do with how's camp going, how are you feeling, blah, blah, blah. But I asked him one question about from last summer to this summer, how has your game changed? What's changed the most? That's the first question I asked Anna Boquist at training camp. I think, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. improved my defense. Uh, I know, like, last couple of years, it wasn't good. And uh, it's hard, to, like, when you go out and you have to think defense all the time. But it's, like, in my back now, so a little bit. So I am just go out there and play the best best I can. When you've been working with Brian Campbell, who, when he started his career, and his whole career, was an offensive defenseman, but he was able to grow that defensive game as he went along. Is that someone you're trying to model your game after? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't watch him that much, uh, mm-hmm. because I was too young when he was played, but yeah, of course, I watched him all after, and he was an unbelievable yeah. player, and I, I just at the end of the day, I want to be like Adam Boquist, so I'm just trying to be take everything in and do it best out there. By the way, you did hear Adam Boquist say he didn't watch Brian Campbell play because he was too young then. Oh, boy. Yeah, Adam Boquist is really young. <laughs> that was one of my first impressions when I taught him. I was like, wow, this is a toddler. He is, maybe it's, I'm old. I know I'm old, so that's part of it, but I always feel like athletes look like adults regardless of their age. I think I've finally gotten to the part of my life now where pretty much every athlete looks like a child to me. And Adam Boquist, my God, he is so young. But you heard in his voice, he's not he he feels his defense has improved. He talked about more reacting than thinking, which is something we talked about yesterday with Jeremy Counton's system. And that's what you want you a defenseman to say, is I'm more reacting than thinking out there. The other thing, when I asked him if he tries to model his game off Brian Campbell after he admitted he didn't get to see him live, he said, I'm trying to be Adam Boquist. I'm trying to be myself. And those are the things that a confident kid says. And when he said that, I was surprised he said it, but I was also really happy that he said it because it let me know that he's not trying to duplicate anything. He's not trying to be anyone he's not. And that, to me, is probably the best mindset entering his professional career and his NHL career, which he will do tomorrow night, most likely, in L.A. One other element of this I want to discuss, and I'll get into it a little bit, too, in a later segment. Is this... I, I have to wonder, with Doc being... I'm not going to say promoted, but committed to. And then the next day, Adam Boquist called up. 
Are we, is a rebuild about to start? I feel like that's a possibility. I feel like there could be a flurry of moves here, especially if they, I don't think tomorrow or the next day, but like I said, if Boca shows he belongs or can at least like survive on the NHL level and Doc continues to get better every game and Nylander continues to get better every game as he seemingly has, everyone had a step back the other night against Nashville, so you can't really count that one, but is it time to start moving on from some of these veteran guys? And as much as, look, I, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to move Taves or Kane. Kane, you could probably move. Taves, does anyone want $10.5 million of debt Jonathan Taves anymore? I don't know. Brent Seabrook the other day said, I feel like I can help somebody. That sounds to me like if the right situation came along, he'd be willing to move his no, waive his no-movement clause. Guess who's off to a really good start? The Florida Panthers. Guess who coaches the Florida Panthers? Joel Quenville. Guess who the GM of the Florida Panthers is? Dale Talon. If anyone wants Brent Seabrook, if anyone has a feel for what he might be able to still provide, and if Seabrook is going to be willing to waive his no-trade clause to go somewhere he'd be comfortable, Florida sounds pretty damn good, doesn't it? I think more likely would be the trade of someone like Brandon Saad. And even though he's been one of your most effective players, if you're going to rebuild, rebuild. Trade Brandon Saad for some prospects. Trade him for some higher picks. You can move out David Camp. Like, there's a lot of guys here that are veteran players that have some value. Like, I wonder, could you get a pick for Zach Smith? Right? He's not playing every night. You just traded Brendan Perlini for a prospect, and a decent one at that. I think if the Blackhawks want to start to rebuild, they can. And I wonder if these moves, the commitment to Doc, the calling up of Boquist, and the night-after-night play of Nylander, I wonder if these moves are starting to dictate the start of a rebuild, or at least a partial rebuild. They probably should have been doing this for a while. And I think they got teased a little bit. I think we all got teased a little bit by how last season ended and how they had a 100-point pace going into from, you know, January 1st to the end of the season. They were playing really, really well. But maybe we were all sort of duped. Maybe that was smoke and mirrors a little bit. And while I don't think they're as bad as they're playing now, that... I think is pretty obviously not reality, that 100-point pace. So maybe, just maybe, the time has come to consider a rebuild or at least start it partially. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks for joining me on this Friday. Hopefully it's not a snowy mess like Halloween. What a ridiculous, insulting Slap in the face to humanity, Thursday was. Ridiculous. I'm not a weather complainer. I actually kind of like extreme conditions. Like when you had the, um, what do you call it, the polar vortex last winter. I went out in it a couple times just to experience it. I think it's cool like to see the world shut down and like what it would be like for a couple days. I enjoy it. But Thursday was stupid. Like legitimate snow. 
Not just like, oh, look, it's snowing in October. Isn't that weird? No, it freaking snowed. Like, it snowed, snowed. Like, I had snow in my car. I had to put my defrost on my windows. Kids were wearing boots. It was absurd. Snow stuck to trees and grass, and it was not just like a little flurry. It's like a ridiculous, really annoying. Anyway, hopefully Friday is better than that. Hopefully the weekend picks up a little bit. Um, But when I sat down to do this podcast, uh, after a long night of uh, trying to trick-or-treat and a party at a friend's house, opened up my email, as I do, to make sure I don't miss anything, and got this email from the Blackhawks. The subject is, every game for just $88 a month. Like, oh, that's got to be a typo. Nope. The standing room only Blackhawks pass is on sale now for the month of November. This is your guaranteed ticket to every home game for one low monthly payment of $88. That's as low as $8 per game to experience the excitement of Blackhawks hockey live from the United Center. Only a limited number of passes are available, so purchase yours today. Eight bucks a game. Let me see. Home games in November. The 7th against Vancouver, the 10th against Toronto, the 17th against Buffalo, the 19th against Carolina, the 21st against Tampa, the 26th against Dallas, the 29th against Colorado. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's seven home games. That's really, really cheap. And yes, it's standing room only, but are the Blackhawks a little worried here? Are they starting to think that Maybe, just maybe, they're not the hot ticket they used to be. Hockey in this town is a fragile thing. And a lot of Blackhawks fans came out of the woodwork or were actually grown when the Blackhawks started to win in 2008-2009. And I, if you saw my article in the Sun-Times about my podcast last Friday, I mentioned how the generation that is now starting for the first time to gain disposable income like the 20, 21, 22-year-olds, maybe a little bit older. When the Hawks were good, those kids were 13, 14 when they started getting good. Those are your formative years as a sports fan. And a lot of kids that are now in their mid-20s, they're not kids now, they're adults, were in those formative years when the Blackhawks were great. And they're going to start and th- those are the kind of people who you could say the Hawks are their primary favorite team. Or maybe their second favorite team in town because the Bulls have been bad their whole life. Save for a couple of seasons, the Bears have been bad. The Hawks have been good for them for most of their conscious lives, right? Now you've got those people starting to earn money, starting to be able to make decisions for themselves. And now the Hawks are going to be in a rebuilding situation. That's not great. This ticket thing, I don't want to make too much of it, but I never thought that we would see anything like this again. Like, this is what the White Sox do. Like, hey, buy a pass. You get to every game this month for a super cheap price. I'm considering doing this. If I go to two games a month, it probably pays for itself, right? But I know it's standing room. But are we going to get to the point now where there's going to be empty seats? I haven't checked. Let's do it right now. Let's check Vivid Seats. They're a uh, regular sponsor 
of Locked On Podcasts. I'm going to look up Blackhawks tickets on here in real time. I haven't done this ahead of time. So, next Blackhawks game at home is the 7th against Vancouver. Let's see what tickets are available here on VividSeats.com. I'm going to say two tickets. Standing room, $19. Upper level, row 15, $24. See, tickets are cheap and available. These are all 300 level seats. I'm going down to the 100 level now. Fifth row, section 102, which is right beyond the the, uh, blue line, $170 each. If you buy this ticket pass, you'll be able to be in the building and you'll be able to find a seat more likely than not. I don't know. My fear is that when we talk about Doc and we talk about Boquist, we know that John McDonough gets involved in hockey decisions. To what level, it's unclear. I don't know for sure what level of involvement he has. Of course, as the team's president, he's going to have to sign off on big contracts. Right, If they bring in a major, well, I would say bring in any free agent of note, he'll have to sign off on it. If a huge name guy is going to get traded, he'll probably have some input on whether or not they should do that. My fear is that the Doc, the decision to let Doc stay the year and the decision to call up Boquist, my fear is they're not, they're not purely hockey decisions. And that would be bad, right? If John McDonough is saying like, hey, Stan, you know, this team kind of sucks and you've had some issues over the last few years and, you know, if you'd like to keep your job, we'd like a full building. And if you think maybe getting these guys up here could help fill the building a little bit, maybe you could hurry them along a little bit. I hope that's not the case. I don't know if that's the case. But when you couple Doc being committed to Boat was coming up, and then this afternoon, this email was sent at, let me check, 2.15 p.m. So all these things sort of happening in, in order. I don't want to be a conspiracy theory guy, but when you start to connect the dots and you start to check the temperature of the, you know, the casual Blackhawk fan around town, they're not on the radar for a lot of people. They see what's happening, you know, early in the season when there's a lot of other things going on. The World Series just wrapped up. The Bulls are starting. The Bears are a disappointment, but they still have some potential to be decent. People are just sort of checking in on the Hawks. How are they doing? Oh, they lo- oh boy, they lost again. Man, they're losing a lot, right? Yeah, you know, it's not great. They're not watching every game with the commitment people that listen to Lockdown Blackhawks are listening or Madhouse Podcast are watching Blackhawks games. They're not diehards. Those are the people that are going to make the difference for the Blackhawks when it comes to marketing and ticket sales and concessions and all those things. Those are the people you need to appeal to. People like me and you are going to be at games for the most part regardless. Diehards, right? If they're if they feel they're losing their grip on the on the casual fan, I hope that marketing and ticket sales are not dictating what's happening on the ice. I hope not. I don't I don't have any evidence aside from connecting these dots that that's the case. But knowing John McDonough, knowing his history a little bit, 
it wouldn't totally shock me. So just something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. Um, you know, if, if you see Adam Boquist really struggling and he's still around, might be something to it, right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, me still feeling not great about that Nashville game and not really sure what to make of this team now when I was actually feeling okay about them after the Kings game. All of a sudden, I've got very little hope. By the way, speaking of Nashville, they're still playing as I'm recording this podcast. They are taking it to the net, to the uh, Calgary Flames. The Flames have 14 shots on goal. The Predators have 28 shots on goal. Calgary's a good team. So, I don't know. Maybe Nashville's just really damn good. Maybe. Maybe the Hawks are bad. Maybe it's both. We're going to find out. Let's hope this game tomorrow night against L.A. and then Sunday against uh, Anaheim. Let's hope they get four points out of it and we can start to talk a little more optimistically about this team. All right, that's going to do it for this edition and this week of Locked on Blackhawks. Again, thank you all so much for the support. The first month is in the books. I am uh, overwhelmed by the support. So thank you all so much. Whether you're a new listener or you came over from the Madhouse podcast, um, thank you so much. And if you are a new listener, make sure you check out the Madhouse podcast. There will be a new one dropping today, Friday afternoon. So make sure you stick around, listen to that. My partner, James Navo and I uh, will we'll react to all the week's news and do some other big picture stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. Anyway, that's going to do it for Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski here wishing you a great weekend. And remember, get those mailbag questions in. Blackhawks at gmail.com or the voicemail 708-653-0572. Talk to you on Monday morning on Locked on Blackhawks.